Welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Say. Hello again, I'm Mark Gleason and happy to have you back with us once more. Yes, it's good to return again with some exciting guests on the Kosafa Show. And thanks again to all of those who've given us such positive feedback following our first two shows. Once more, we look at what's happening in the Kasafa region, that is to say, Southern Africa. And on this show, we have another interesting lineup of guests. We start with the Zimbabwe international Ovidi Karuru, whose exploits in the Kasafa Cup have already earned him multiple winners' medals. We talked to the Sutu coach Tabo Sunong as Dequena should soon be stretching their post-lockdown legs again and look to get ready for the resumption of the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers later this year. And the president of the Namibia Football Association, Ranga Haikali, joins us to better explain the decision to expel the professional league from his association, plus the way forward for football in his country once the COVID-19 lockdown is at an end. First up, we speak to Stellamosh FC and Warriors midfielder Ovidi Karuru, no stranger to success in the Kasafa Cup, having first played in this competition all the way back in 2008. His magnificent six-goal haul in the 2017 competition helped Zimbabwe sweep to the title, a feat they repeated the following year as well. Thanks so much for joining us. And first of all, what is it about the Kasafa Cup that seems to bring out the best in you? Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. and. Um, all I can say about the Kosafa is it is a subject tournament. You know, most of uh, of the players who play here in South Africa, they come from these countries. So when it comes to Kosafa, it's always a competition, especially between Zimbabwe and Zambia. We call it the battle of Zambezi. So it always motivates us as players, because we have a lot of uh, Zambian players. And I know here in South Africa, they don't really care much about, uh, about the the Kosafa, but us in Zimbabwe, tournament is a tournament we always want to win, always want to, to gain confidence. Because these tournaments, they bring confidence to us as players when it comes to national teams. So it's also a chance for us to, to fight with the European best players when they come for Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers and, uh, and World Cup qualifiers. So I think it's a good stepping stone for us players who are playing in South Africa. The coaches can see what we can do when we join the national team jersey. Ovidi, this has been a, a little bit of a disjointed year for international football for obvious reasons, but you were named in the Zimbabwe squad for the March qualifiers that were then obviously postponed. Um, we are hopeful that those will be played in November, and that means for you a doubleheader against the African champions, Algeria. What sort of challenge do you think that'll be? Ah, uh, it's not gonna like like I I, I think you saw it in uh, in Egypt. Uh, if only it was not problem about financial problems in Zimbabwe. A good team there, a team that could uh, that could uh, could have gone further in the tournament. But due to the challenges that we face in the country, I think that the, those were the distractions that we had. But I think uh, we have a good team. We have quite a number of good players who are playing in Europe uh, who are able to come to the party when we play against Algeria. And uh, I think we are ready because uh, nowadays I think it's not about the name, it's about how you feel as a team, it's about the self-confidence that we have in our team because we've been playing together for quite a long time now. And uh, we know how, we, know how we, we have to play with each other, we understand each other better. So I think uh, it's not going to be tough, 
that tough because uh, imagine last time we went on to beat uh, GRC in GRC, so anything can happen in is about how you take the game when you go there. Added to that, you have South Africa, Ghana, and Ethiopia in your 2022 World Cup qualification group. Is it maybe a, a blessing in disguise to have a Bafana Bafana side that you know so very well? Yeah, we we have been we've been waiting like we have been waiting to play. It's been long since we played Bafana Bafana, and uh, we always want to play against South Africa because uh, when we are here at our clubs. Uh, we talk about it that Zimbabwe can never be South Africa or something like that. We all oh, we have missed the battle of Limpopo. I think uh, that one is going to be our toughest, uh, toughest game. Both South Africa doesn't want to lose against Zimbabwe and we don't want to lose against South Africa. When it comes to to, to Ghana and uh, and the other team, I think we just have to go there and uh, and, uh, and come out with the result. Then we we take the reverse fixture. It's our home ground. But against South Africa, there's no home, there's no away for us, especially players who are playing in South Africa. So it's going to be a tough one. But uh, all I can promise is uh, I don't see us losing the game. Hmm. You, you, um, we mentioned at the top of the show that you first played your, your first Kosafa game at Secunda against uh, Zambia back in 2008. You actually started your international career in 2007. So that's 13 years of international football. What's the secret then to the, to that longevity? Yeah, I think I think it's about how you take care of yourself in the sense because uh, me when I first played uh, for national team I was uh, I was uh, it was 2007 yeah when uh, Mapeza who was coaching um, uh, what do you call it cheaper he called me because that was my first uh, first year in Zimbabwe Premier Soccer League. And uh, I was doing good uh, with my club. Back then, it was Mashingo United. Uh, and uh, he called me for national team. So it was, I think, a dead drop of uh, after a couple of nations qualify or something. So that was my first international camp at the age of uh, 18. So after that, I, that's when I could see that uh, my life depends on football. So I started working more harder. Because I didn't want to disappoint those who were supporting me, especially my family. They've been very supportive. But uh, it hasn't been easy. You know in football, there are ups and downs, but it's how you, you take it mentally as a player. Because um, I believe that as a soccer player, your story has to, has to have a meaning. So that when you try to tell other youngsters who are coming up your story, they will be motivated that, okay, well, you defaced this, but you still continued playing. And what do you know about the new Zimbabwe coach, uh, Zratko Logorozic? Uh, to, to be honest, I don't know much about the I don't know much about the coach, but from what I've heard from the other players who were in camp, because they were supposed to go for a chance tournament. From what I've heard, they say he's a straightforward coach, and uh, he thrives on discipline. He says the, some of them players were late for 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 lunch or dinner. They were almost chased out of camp. So I think he's a strict coach. And in terms of tactics and everything, I, I don't know much about him. I think I'll have to find out if we get a call-up in, in November for Africa World Nations qualifiers. We've seen a steady stream of Zimbabwe players excel in South Africa over the, the years, more so perhaps than from any other country. Why do you think it is that Zimbabweans seem to settle so well in the PSL? Uh, like, back in the days when we, we were growing up, like, you know, everyone was coming down south, like everyone, like we say, I'm going to South Africa. So I think it's a thing about Zimbabweans liking South Africa. 
because most of them they know their families yeah some of them they have even relatives who were born here so i think it's a thing about zimbabweans that we we like south africa i think it's because of the challenges that we have and i think zimbabweans are more hard workers than like people from other countries was in terms of uh, the currents in zimbabwe like at the moment we don't have the currents so if someone comes to south africa and makes maybe 10000 rands he can take care of the family so i think when you come here we know the reason why, why why we are here and i think the south africans they made it clear that they want five foreign players at a team so you know if you're a foreigner you just have to die in the fish working hard so i think it helped us that we know like okay i can't go back and play home because at home is tough because where people are coming from the home is is tough some of them maybe if you change their money to rands it can be less than 2000 rands a month there's nothing you can do with money like that because most of the soccer players they come from poor backgrounds so once you start playing soccer you become a, a, a breadwinner for the family so imagine if you know that you have a big family behind you that is supporting you that you have to feed you just have to work hard as a player the last question we wanted to ask you was um your coach Steve Barker says that he wants his side to be the best team in the league for the last six matches of this elongated season. That means possibly a top eight place for for uh, Stellenbosch. Um, how much of a lottery do you think these next couple of months are going to be? Uh, particularly given the fact that you guys have been, everybody's really been on the sidelines waiting for five months now to get back onto the field. Yeah the good thing is uh, is our coach is a, is a, is a, is, a, is a good motivator like sometimes the way he says to us as players the way he believes in his team, in, in, in his players it's is the one that pushes us as a team because he believes that we can do it so if if the father of the house believes that his children can do this then it's for us players now to 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 to, to fight for our father So I'm sure everyone knows what our father wants and uh, I'm sure everyone is ready to fight because we know these are going to be six tough games it's like cup finals six cup finals that we are going to play in the next uh, one month or something so I think everyone is ready and everyone has been working hard in training and uh, our leader believes in us and we're just going to go there and fight for our coach because you know once you see your coach saying things maybe in the press or somewhere then it means he trusts his troops so we just have to go there to fight for our coach so that you know when people start writing that they won't be able to write bad things about our coach so as we are ready to fight for the coach whatever the coach says we're going to fight for it the coach believes that we can make it into top 8 by god's grace we're going to finish in the top 8 It is a great delight to have with us one of the up and coming coaches in the region and something of a rarity in that he's from one Kasafa country but the national coach of another. Yes, welcome to Tabo Sonong who has taken South Africa to the under 20 World Cup on two previous occasions but is now in charge of the senior Lesotho side a post he assumed this time last year. Coach Sonong, thanks very much for your time. One year in charge of Lesotho in August. How has it gone for you so far? Thank you very much uh Mark and Nick um yes and of course it's been a pleasure it was a great opportunity for me but uh, you know also for Lesotho for Basotho and the senior nation we know that we 
we we we try to improve the football in the and we're looking forward uh, to be one of the fastest growing football nations in the region and have uh, enjoyed um, the culture you know of the people the football and um, yeah such a massive challenge huge opportunity for a young coach but also a great opportunity for players to by someone who wants to move them out of their comfort zone you speak there of the challenges coach what what do you see as the the kind of the hurdles going forward i think um it is not a you know a, a secret that uh, we know that lesotho uh, football we are actually um semi professional so it's not an easy phase uh, especially when you are a national coach maybe the second challenge will be the number of players that are playing in competitive abroad overseas or even in competitive uh, countries like South Africa we have four players in South Africa at the moment uh, that are representing the Sutu national team we also have three student players that are involved in college football in the US so how far to see the number growing up but it is a challenge uh, to have such a minimal uh, number and then of course we hoping that the number can increase to help some of the players to to go out of Lesotho and maybe go to competitive football leagues. Coach, I mean, it's often said that uh, a small population uh, in a country like Lesotho is a resource problem. But I mean, there are people who would say, well, Lesotho's got 2 million, Uruguay has got 3.5 million, and we all know how powerful Uruguay is. Is there is there a way that you can work around this problem of resources, just uh, playing resources, only 2 million people. Is there a way for you to work around it and to become almost a Uruguay of African football? For sure, absolutely. It's very possible, Mark. Number one, we felt and we think, we believe that having our uh, academy that can help us to build a very solid under national, uh, seven, uh, uh, national under-17 team could be the first start because uh, not having enough academies in the country has been a challenge because obviously without the youth, there's no future. With some of the good resources already that we have, like accommodation, training facility, uh, we can be able to to identify the best talents in the country, maybe possibly a group of 25 to, 20, to, to, to 30 players uh, in different districts around the, uh, the country so that we can be able to fast track them. We all know that um, developed countries rely on developed players for them in academies because clubs have resources. But uh, we clubs in the Sutu that don't have resources. It will be very unfair to rely on them to develop players for us. So it is our responsibility as an association in the Sutu, uh, as a football association in the Sutu, to have our own academy that can help us to develop better under 17 players that will live Better under 20 team and eventually progressing to our senior national team. Coach, uh, we have heard from CAF that uh, obviously September, the international window is not being used by Africa. That was announced by FIFA. The October window is being given over to friendlies because in Africa they don't assume that travel will be likely and only November will you be able to start. So you talk about friendly matches there. Do you aim to use that October window then to maybe play a few internationals? And are there any plans in offing to get some friendlies, get some friendly action under your legs, as it were, before you play Benin in November? Uh, we had also looked at uh, having 
a two-legged friendly match with uh, either Malawi or Swaziland. But then um, with, with Gambia, we, we thought that an West African opposition can be able to help us to, to reproduce what we're going to face when we play Benin home and away, when we play away, and when we play Gerald at home. So, yes, these are in the plans, but um, uh, we also look at uh, very close um, uh, friendlies because we engage a lot with the uh, Bloemfontein Celtic. It's a pro club in the South African League, and um, it's just two hours away from where we are in Maseru. So sometimes it suits our logistics, and the kind of competition sometimes could be superior than the kind of co- competition you get when you play against the national team. Because obviously a club has a better tactical rhythm. They are more united. They know each other. They always put us under pressure. And I've seen that it's also a possible exercise that is indoors if you want to hide a lot of information from the opponent. And coach, how much pressure is there on you to get to the Nations Cup finals? Because Lesotho is one of a a shortening list of countries who've not yet qualified for, for the continental showpiece. Well, um, for every, well, we can start with every coach will, every coach loves to help a team uh, or any other country to achieve its ambitions. And so are the players as well. And the players are fully aware that for us to qualify for the Cup will be an opportunity for them to be in the market window. And then, of course, uh, make history, you know, write history for themselves as footballers of Lesotho. Last question, Coach. Lesotho's often punched above its weight in the Kosafa Cup, uh, the previous final and semi-final appearances. Are you going to be using this tournament for new talent for the country when it comes around next, or is it something that you're going to chase assiduously with your first stringers? Well, definitely going to make sure that we play our best team possible because uh, working in a country like Lesotho, uh, that have had players that have never received proper development. Uh, we need to be aware that uh, uh, players get mature. So players between the ages of 26, 30, uh, that's when they reach their peak as opposed to other countries all over the world where players peak at the age of 18 and uh, towards the age of 22. So uh, our best players are between 30. It's always important to play the best players in your national team if you want to get the best results. It is our ambition to trophy and dominate the region before we can even want to be uh, the force in the continent. So winning Kosafa is our priority and players in the country will be the best route uh, going forward. Ranga Haikali was voted in as the new president of the Namibia Football Association in February at something of a turbulent time for soccer in the country. He has taken on some tough challenges, as we will hear now. Yes, indeed. Mr. Haikali, a big welcome to the uh, Kosafa show. You've gone from being the boss of a title-winning team, Black Africa, to assuming the NFA hot seat. In essence, one of the first things that you've had to do is to preside over the expulsion of the professional wing, the Namibia Football League, from your association. That must have been really tough, given your background as a former owner of a professional side. Yes, uh, thank you, Mark. Um, Yes, indeed, it was a very difficult task, but I should say that the problems between the uh, former member of the NFA, the Namibia Premier League, and... uh, uh, 
the NFA started uh, a long way. We had uh, two seasons where no football was played. We had the uh, normalization committee instituted by FIFA to normalize football in their country, which was more to normalize the NFA and bring certain uh, uh, changes in terms of bringing the members um, up to date, uh, improving the corporate governance, the issue of uh, outstanding qualified um, audited financial statements, which uh, also caused the change of auditors based on uh, some few issues that were not adhered to in terms of the FIFA governance uh, um, committee. So this problem between the NFA and the Namibia Premier League uh, comes a long way. And uh, these fights have been going on. So it's something that we inherited. So it's not a new fight. But uh, yes, you are right by saying that uh, being a club owner uh, the pre- uh, in the Premier League uh, makes it more difficult because you know exactly what challenges the uh, top flight uh, league is facing in the country in terms of uh, meeting their objectives. But um, I am glad that the, the, the members decided to basically move forward and uh, those that don't want to join the bus had to make a, a decision whether they want to toe the line in terms of the directives that were given uh, by the Normalization Committee uh, and FIFA in terms of no promotion, no relegation, or whether we want to deal with uh, the squabbles that were um, prevailing then. So what is the, the long-term solution now for, for pro soccer in Namibia? I think with the expulsion of the Namibia Premier League from the NFA, the constitution of the NFA is making provision that uh, organized football will resort under the NFA, one. Secondly, that the top flight league in the country will also resort under the uh, uh, NFA, either, either through the member membership of uh, such a league or creating a desk that will later formulate their own constitution and then apply to the NFA as member for, of such a league. That is uh, the process that we are going to embark on. We all know about the FIFA eConnect uh, program that is now to register and get a database of all the existing clubs in the country, both in the top flight league, as well as in the first division, second division, and their women football, and registering uh, all those players uh, through the new database of eConnect. Unfortunately, like many of the football fraternities in the world, or sports fraternities, were also hit by COVID-19. So we hope that we'll overcome these challenges so that we could, um, after registering the clubs, um, go ahead and then announce the starting of the league. And our resolution in this case is to basically start all the leagues simultaneously so that we don't have situation like in the past where the Premier League is commencing and, uh, for instance, the first division for the last three seasons or three years or three soccer calendar years, no first division uh, league was in existence of or playing uh, in the country. And that creates the abnormal situation of uh, promotion and relegation or, or, or sports merit where the teams that uh, play in one league, uh, those that are relegated, and then the, um, the next league will have to, to do promotion and relegation. And that goes with the first division as well as the, the women football. Despite having a national team, consisting of players from the top league. You, you you have all these squabbles and court cases up and down that are basically hammering 
the smooth operations of, of, of football or, or, or the leagues playing in the country. So we want to start all these things on a clean slate and make sure that uh, the problems that cause the no promotion, no relegations are not going to reoccur again. Putting the, the domestic league aside for a second, what other objectives have you set for yourself for Namibian football in the next few years? Obviously, one of the main uh, 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 issues that has been hampering uh, uh, the, the, the NFA was the governance issue. So we have now uh, put up the various statutory committees, uh, the disciplinary committee, the ethics committee, and the audit and compliance committee. Those committees have to start working. We have also, uh, as an exco, submitted for approval a new policy, and that's the financial policy uh, of the uh, NFA that deals with uh, a lot of uh, uh, issues such as procurement, contracting, uh, suppliers, code of conduct, and so on. So our main objective is to put governance into uh, um, action, obviously starting the, the, the football in line with our state of emergency regulations. Uh, preparing ourselves for the Chan and the CAF qualifiers and the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, that's now for the national team, the men's national team, the Brave Warriors, as well as the women uh, national team called the Brave Gladiators. So those those are our our uh, immediate uh, objective in terms of uh, uh, bringing governance into place so that these uh, uh, functions can continue to to take place in that fashion. Do you feel uh, Namibian football has been set back a lot by all the squabbling? Because if you look at the field of play, you qualified uh, for the African Nations Championships in Cameroon. That is no small feat for for a country that didn't really have a functioning league. And it does speak very highly of the quality of the Namibian players. So how much of a setback has all of this squabbling been? Yeah, I can say... Um the squabbling have affect, affected mainly the domestic leagues. Uh, it's a shame for us to pride ourselves that for the past three seasons, there was no first division league playing. We only had uh, uh, the Namibia Premier League playing. However, there was a 14-month uh, period of no football being played in the country. As we were hit by COVID-19, there was no league for over four, uh, another 12 months. Uh, the league was supposed to end uh, May 2020 for uh, the current season. And by the time uh, COVID hit us, the season was not yet started because of all these uh, squabbles. So we had the situation where uh, not only the chant uh, qualifiers and so on, we had to uh, basically, as an NFA for the Brave Warriors, keep our national team players fit despite domestic football uh, uh, league being, being in operation. So it cost us uh, quite a lot of uh, planning and perseverance to keep these, these players motivated, knowing well that there are a lot of fights uh, uh, between the, the leadership from the normalization committee. So FIFA bringing in a normalization committee is attesting to an abnormal situation, but it all has to do with leadership and not uh, the clubs or, or, or the players. But we all know when elephants are fighting, the grass underneath is the ones to suffer. And that is a very, very uh, unfortunate situation where because of infights in the leadership, the 
players have been suffering without any domestic football being played. All that being said, and just returning to the field of play, what do you see as the prospects of the national team in, in the coming years? I think based on the uh, uh, performance they have shown in the last uh, uh, couple of months when we were playing, the players are really motivated. The players are uh, hungry to play football and all they want to do is just playing football and earn a living. So despite all these squabbles, I am proud to say uh, the players are really willing to go. And, and it, it can be termed as a blessing in disguise, but it cannot continue where the players uh, uh, are in that, because, in that situation because the, the leaderships continue fighting. Who is the worst dressed? <laughs> Man, no people kill me. <laughs> Catch my starter pack only on SL Radio, brought to you by Sokola Duma. That's it for another episode of the Kasafa Show. We look forward to bringing you the news and views from the Southern African region in two weeks, by which time South Africa's Premier Soccer League will be up and running once again. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, as well as at kasafa.tv and our website, www.kasafa.com. A big thanks to our guests today, and we look forward to bringing you another great lineup next time. Goodbye.